Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. It's a privilege to be able to preach this morning. I'm excited about it. So, as you know, we've been going through the I Am series, the names of God. And uh, who's been enjoying this so far? Who's been getting challenged by it? So it's good, right? So the idea, the goal of this series has been that we would be able to see another characteristic of God. If we, hear his, if we understand his name better, the idea is that we can maybe understand a different trait that he is. And as we understand another, more of who he is, ideally, it's going to turn our hearts to worship him. Because as we understand him and we go from theory or like a nebulous idea to maybe understanding by the power of the Spirit who God is, we then, our lives are changed, and we can then turn and worship him in gratitude as we understand him more. So that's been the goal of this series as we've been going through the different names. And I'm, I'm sure that some of you have heard one of them, and, and it maybe triggers something, right? And maybe something some, for somebody else it is also triggered, right? So by the different names, and we, God is so expansive and far more, far greater, like our, we will never understand fully all of who God is. Amen? So there's this constant mystery as we submit ourselves to him and we submit ourselves to the word to continually know him more. And as we know him more, the hope is that we have a right understanding of who he is and who we are. And as we know that he loves us and we see how expansive he is, we're put in right position. He's so magnificent and so glorious, and yet he loves us, and that turns our hearts to worship him. And it makes us feel small to see how big God is, but makes us feel loved to know that he calls us children. Amen? So, today we're going to be talking about Jehovah Rapha, which is the healer. The healer. So, the God who heals. The God who heals or cures or restores or makes whole. So we're going to look at God in the Old Testament as the healer, and we're going to look at Jesus in the New Testament as healer, and this idea that God heals and he takes that which is broken and makes it whole, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of these things that our Father, the characteristic of Rapha is that he is the healer. He heals and he interacts with us as his people. And you'll see Jesus touches his people, and they are healed. People who would not otherwise had been appealed to or touched are touched by Jesus, the God-man. So my goal for this morning is that we would expand our expectations of who God is. We would expand, we would go wider, and we would go deeper, because I'm convinced that all the teaching that we hear, and even often in our communication with, with people, we tend to overdo our, our, like, our worth, not worth, but like our position, and undervalue God's position. And I hope that we can be expanding, and we can expand that, and have a higher expectation to see who God really is, and to see who Jesus is as the healer. So we, as we expand that, the doors widen, and we see this kingdom and we see God as the healer. And I hope that we can see an expanded view of who God is as he interacts with his people. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. I'll be honest, I'm feeling weak before I pray. I'm, I'm feeling weak, so this is really good. I was, I was sharing this morning. 
I ran a, a bunch of miles this morning. Didn't eat much because I wasn't ready to eat yet. So I'm feeling famished. And I'm, this, this is what I'm thankful for. I am so grateful for this verse, right? The spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. So I have a lot of energy as a, as a person. My person, I, you know, I have very little energy right now. I'm super grateful for that because anything that comes, I'm praying it's going to come from the spirit of God, not from me. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to get at. And we're going to pray about that today. Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would empower me and you speak through me. And I pray that you would challenge our mindset and our heart. I pray that as we see you as the healer, I pray that you would bring healing to hearts and minds and bodies and souls. God, that you, our minds would be expanded today. I pray that it would be your words that challenge us as we see you as the historic healer, as the present healer, and the healer to come. And I ask that, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see historically, so if we, go back to the old, if we go back to the Old Testament, we see the idea first as Jesus as the healer. When the Israelites came out of being enslaved in Egypt, they come out and they cross the Red Sea. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna cover a lot of territory. I have way too much text in my notes today. It's not, it's like... Like preaching 101, like I failed at like every level here because I got way too much here. But hopefully we're going to go through it and hopefully there'll be some nuggets that the Spirit will speak to you about. So we go back to the Old Testament. We see in Exodus 15, we see that after the Israelites had come through, they had been rescued by God, right? Moses brought these people out of slavery and they just crossed the Red Sea. It's a climactic time for the Israelites, the, the, the Red Sea had split, the Israelites crossed through on dry land, and the Egyptians who were chasing them, their captors, right, their enslavers, were coming after them because there went the workforce, and they're like, ah, you know, angry. And so the Israelites go through miraculously, and as everyone's inside the, the walls of the Red Sea, they close in on the Egyptians, and then they... The, the, now we have the Israelites freed from, the, from their captors, and they sing a song, and they rejoice, and they're grateful. And they get to the other side of the sea, and it goes for a few days, and they're like, oh, but what are we going to do now? Now we find ourselves in the desert. Now what, God? Now what are you going to do? There's no water. We just came out of here and they see this theme where the Israelites are like, why did we end up getting taken out of slavery if we could have been back in Israel or, or, or back, we, were, we could have been, um, at least we had food in Egypt, right? You hear, that, you hear that constantly. And the thing about the Israelites that's interesting is that we often do the same thing. We've been saved. We get saved. Our lives are changed. The first hiccup right away, like, God, what'd you do that for? Right? God is so good and so gracious, and he's such a good provider, and he loves us far greater than ever we could ask or imagine. So we see, we see, I'm just going to jump in. So we see in Exodus 15, 26, after God does provide for them, he provides water for the Israelites so that they can live and they can thrive. So this is Exodus 15, 26. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. 
interesting that they come out of the Red Sea. He provides for them physically by giving them water that they could drink. And he says, if you diligently seek me, if you do this, I will not put the disease on you like I did with the Egyptians. If you go back and you see all the plagues that they encountered, right? He saved them. He said, because I am the Lord, your healer. I am your healer. He was the healer then. He was their rescuer then. And he's our healer and he's our rescuer now. Amen? Amen. So we see that God makes this covenant with his people. And he says to them, he says, If you will listen to the voice of the Lord and do which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments, then if, there's like this if-then thing, right? But the covenant was you're my people, and I will be your healer. We see, we fast forward, we see to where Solomon builds this glorious temple dedicated to the Lord. And they sing this long song of dedication. This is in Chronicles 2. A long song of dedication of the temple to the Lord. And, and Solomon cries out to God. And God hears him. And he says this. This is Chronicles 7, 13 through 14. Verse 12, actually. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night. This is after the, de- after the dedication of the temple and after there's been this emotional response and this euphoric, we're going to get at this and we're going to worship God. The Lord speaks to him and says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people... If my people who are called by my name humble myself and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So you see, the Israelites were provided water. And God says, I'm your healer. The temple gets dedicated And God says, I will choose this as my place of sacrifice. But when this happens, if I hold back and there isn't water and my people call out to me and they humble themselves, then I hear it. So there's this intertwining between God as healer and God as provider that happens. You see that pretty, pretty interestingly, right? So he says... In this verse that we're, we're probably more of us are familiar with this verse in Chronicles than many others where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. This is on the heels of the temple getting dedicated. And he says, then I will forgive their sins and heal their land. So he heals their land. I don't even have time to get into like the depths of what that might look like when you think about that land being healed as he's appealing to his people. But there's this idea of seeking and following and obeying and being humble and being humble. We, look, we see all throughout the Psalms, David, the passionate psalmist, the man after God's own heart, crying out for healing. The king, the warrior, the conqueror, right? David, the warrior, cries out, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are in trouble. How often do we pray like that? How often do we cry out to the Lord because our bones are in trouble and that we're languishing? How often do we expect God to do something because we have no other option? Not enough. 
not enough. He says in Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and, and binds up their wounds. So God is interested in our physical healing and our land being healed and the brokenhearted. We haven't even talked about how he takes our sin. He, he binds up their wounds. So this God that we sometimes forget who he is, he's real. He cares. He cares for his people, and he binds up their wounds. He hears the cries of David. And then David, I love how he has so much passion to be able to cry out and say, my bones, I'm in pain. And then he goes and he sings praise. So how often are we expectant on God to do something, for God to interact with us. God, Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. He makes things whole. He makes things whole. We see this, now we fast forward. Now we see in the New Testament, we see Jesus come on the scene. If you look in the Gospels and you start to read through all the things that Jesus did, there's many things he did, right? He preached the gospel. It was a primary for him. In fact, if you go in Mark 1, you see where there was a lot of people who were coming, and he left to go preach. He left to go preach. He said, because that's what I came to do. Right? He cast out demons out of people. He touched people, and he healed them. We see Jesus as the healer for multiple different ways and multiple different means of his expression of healing and reasons why he did, why he was willing to get into it and heal. So we see in uh, Mark 40, I'm sorry, Mark 1. This is so great. You'll see this theme. You'll see this theme as you see Jesus healing people. So a leper came to him imploring him. The leper came to Jesus that says something about Jesus. Because a leper is a disgraced member of society. In the society, there was no value. But something about Jesus was present to where the leper could go and say, I'm going to go approach this man. Probably he had heard that he had been healing people, right? So he says, man, I got, I'm out here. I'm separated from family and, and society. But this guy doesn't seem to care about that. So we see a leper come to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. This is so great. Verse 41, Mark 1, 41. Moved with pity, he stretched his hand out and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Moved with pity. Let's not overlook that. Let's not overlook that. Moved with pity. He felt for this man. He felt for this person. He says, I will. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. We see again, he had com- so he had compassion. Jesus had compassion for the people and again, these things are things that we've heard. But Jesus, as the, as the God, as the God-man, 
right? He cares for his people and he heals them. Now, this is in Matthew 14. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place, desolate place by himself. So Jesus, during his ministry, oftentimes we see Jesus retreating from people to spend time with the Father, to hear from the Father, and to spend quiet time alone. That should be an example for us that we should chill out, stop, and go separate ourselves and just be quiet so we can spend time with the Father. Sometimes we feel like God's not speaking to us and we just can't hear him because we're not making ourselves available. I don't make myself available. Right? So Jesus goes, he withdraws, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. So this crowd is chasing after Jesus. And Jesus was, I just need to get a little time alone with the Father. I needed to get, you know, Jesus needed to get time with the Father, so he retreated, and the crowd comes after him. The crowd comes after him, and he felt he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So he gets in it. He gets in it, and he gets inconvenienced, if you will, because he was doing something that was valuable to him. And he needed, you look all through Scripture, you hear that everything he did was because of what him and his father, because of his father the relationship that he had with his father. So we see this. Another reason, so Jesus, we see that Jesus had pity on the leper and he had compassion for the crowds, right? And these are the reasons he healed. He also healed to show who he was, to show that he had power, to show that he had power. I love this. So we see John the Baptist, who had baptized Jesus, right, is now in jail. He's in jail. And John the Baptist, who proclaimed that Jesus was who he was, and when Jesus came down to get baptized, he's like, I can't baptize you. I have no place baptizing you. And yet Jesus said, yeah, you will. And so John was there when the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And you hear the audible voice of God say, this is my son with whom you're well pleased. John was there when that happened but now finds himself in jail. And he gets his disciples, and he's like, something went wrong here. I'm in jail. I was expecting a significantly different outcome than the one that I'm living in right now. What went wrong? You should maybe go ask Jesus if he's the one. Go check and see, is this the guy? Do I get it wrong? Because I'm sitting here in jail. Who is this guy? So the disciples are like, all right, man, we'll go, we'll go check and see. I mean, you make a good point. You are in jail, <laughs> you know. You are in jail. You make a good point. So the disciples, the disciples go to him. And in that hour, he healed many, many, uh, this is in Luke 7. I'm moving quick. In that hour, he healed many people of disease and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them. Because the question was, hey, are you the one or should we wait for somebody else? That's what the disciples, John's disciples go to, go to, go to Jesus and like, are you the one? Or should we wait for somebody else? And as they ask this, Jesus is so good to show them. He said, listen, go and tell John, this is verse 22, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleaned, the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. The poor have the good news preached to them. That's it. He doesn't say... Yeah, sorry, John, you got, you're in jail, and you didn't probably think it was going to go down like this. Um, I should have told you, or whatever, right? He just says, here's the deal. 
You go back and you tell John this is what's going on. The lame are being healed. The deaf are receiving their, their hearing. The lepers are clean. And the poor are being given the, the good news. That's it. Sometimes, myself included, we often like to disclose and disclaim and put all this stuff around stuff. Jesus just says, man, just look and see what's happening. Just look and see what's happening. What do we do? Switch? Man, all right. This one on? Okay. So we see that Jesus speaks, Jesus speaks to John and says, go, go report this back to him. Look what's going on. I am the God who heals. I am the one. I am the one who came. I am the healer. I am the rescuer. I am he. I am. I am. So there is power. Power to prove that he is who he said he was. And power to see that he is powerful and that people will be drawn to him. Amen? So they go back to him. So we see another time, we see the, oh, what a great, and so, so we see pity. Jesus, Jesus sees people, and he has pity on them. He sees them, and he has compassion on them. He sees people, and he says, you want power? You want to see if I really am who I am? Just take a look and see what's going on around here. And then, he, and then one of the more famous verses that we know of with, um, is with the woman who was sick. She had been bleeding for 12 years. And on your own time, you may need to go read that because, like I said, we got a lot of cover here. But this, this story is powerful. So this woman comes and reaches out to Jesus in the crowd. She had gone and seen everything, all the doctors. She had done everything you possibly could, exhausted all of her resources, right? And still was broken and still wasn't healed. And yet she finds Jesus and touches his garment. And Jesus says, power left me. What just happened? Who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, come on, man. We're in a crowd. You know? He's like, no. Something happened. And she has the courage to speak. And he looks at her in the eye and he says, this is so, this hit me like a ton of bricks last night. He looks at this woman and he says to her, this is in Luke 8, 48. Daughter. daughter that's almost enough right there do you think anyone had called her daughter like that before Jesus did he saw her he says daughter your faith has made you well go in peace how powerful how powerful I love talking about the father heart of God right and that we're sons and daughters of the king. This verse right here, it, it cut me. Daughter, your faith has made you well. The courage that she had and who Jesus was to be able to let, a, let someone come through the crowd and touch him so that he, she could be healed. And then for Jesus to heal her and then for her to be called daughter, that changed her life. But she, what was it that healed her? 
What was it? Her faith. Her faith was what healed her. And she was called daughter. That changed her. Go in peace. So as we see, there's so many other things we can look at as far as healing. There's so many other things that we can look at. I encourage you and I challenge you to read through it. Because it will challenge maybe what some of your beliefs are. Right? So we see God as the healer. We see Jesus as the healer. And we also see that we're in the need of a healer. We're in the need of a healer. The sin that plagued us, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus came to erase that and take that. Like Beth was saying, we're talking about like the forgiveness being your identity, not the sin. When Jesus comes in and forgives you of your sin, you're a new creation, you're a daughter, you're a son. We need the healer from our plague, which is sin. And there's so many ways of healing. There's physical healing, emotional healing, all of this, right? So we need faith. We need faith. We need faith. I believe we need more faith here than most people maybe do elsewhere. And I can't explain that. I can't explain that. But I think the privilege that we have in this country or in this economy doesn't relegate us to expect much of God. It doesn't relegate us to expect much of God. And yet we talk of him as healer as if he stopped healing. As if the business of healing was for the past. It's not. It's for today. It happens. Jesus heals. He healed then and he heals now. And he'll continue to heal. Amen? So we, Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. I love those cut and dry verses so much. Like the one I said before, the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. Not even a little bit. You know, I mean, I feel like I work hard. Oh, wait, that's exactly what I'm, you know what I mean? I feel like I got some energy. It counts for nothing. Nothing. The flesh counts for nothing. It's impossible for you to please God without faith. Without faith, but it's a nebulous idea. We can explain it away and put it somewhere else and be like, that's maybe not for now. Or, you know what? You don't want to get too fringy. Whatever. We cover ourselves and comfort ourselves in disbelief. We just don't have faith. I don't have faith oftentimes, candidly. Right? That's on me. I reduce God to practical. He's not practical. He's not practical. Man, the God who splits the Red Sea and has people walk through on that, that's not practical. Right? Jesus, who comes as a poor man, as a baby to a virgin, to a people that don't care about him, and he dies for them and looks at them and calls them daughter, that's not practical. And that's not logical, so don't try to explain it away. And yet we do. And yet we do. I don't, have, I don't have this on lockdown. This is challenging to me. This is challenging to me. So you may be asking, like, so does God still heal? Yes. It gets a little challenging. Does God heal all the time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I do think this, though. A lot of it is on our expectation and our faith in him. 
And that's wild because that's not neat and tidy. That's not easy, right? If God was a healer and we're created in his image, what are we called to do? We're just called to sit back and wait for him to do what he's supposed to do. Nope. We're called to heal. We're called to cast out demons. What does he say in Mark 10? Heal the sick. I'm sorry, Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out the demon. That's what Jesus said to his apostles, and that's what they went out and did. Cut and dry. Oh, but that's not for now. You see, that was the apostles. Was it? I think we have so much more to grow in this area, but we sometimes let logic and practicality get in the way. Now, I can't explain all of this because I've seen very godly people get prayed for by a very godly people and they don't get healed. So I don't know. Here's the great thing, though. Our timeline isn't God's timeline. And this isn't up to us. But yet we have to come in with expectation. And yet we have to have faith. But it's not on us. But yet we have to act. Do you see that tension? There's a lot of tension there. There's a lot of tension there. I don't know all of it. I'll be honest with you. This is something I wrestle with. It's personal for me. I don't understand it all. I know, though, that we have a long way to go, way more. We're like, well, you just got too much faith. Whoever said that? That guy just got too much faith. (laughs) That guy heals too many people. That lady, she just got way too much faith. She should scale it back a little bit. No, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. I can tell you what the word says, and he says, heal the sick. Heal the sick. Now, I think the same, this might, I think the same faith required for us to trust that God will heal is the same faith we need to have when he doesn't. On our timeline. Because when is God good? Sometimes or all the time? All the time. Right? So if we try to manipulate and act like God's a genie and we do these things and he does these things, that breaks down the whole equation of who God is and who we are. That should not excuse us, however, from walking in faith. You see the tension? So much of this is tension. That's why we got to talk about it with each other Pray before the Holy Spirit and ask for wisdom and study the word. But we can't reduce God to practical. And we need to expect more of him. So here's, what I, here, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at with the whole, like, I think some, when people get prayed for for healing, I think some people will get healed immediately. For sure, I've seen it happen. People will get healed immediately. I think some people will get healed eventually. Eventually. And I think some people will get healed ultimately. In the kingdom, when the kingdom of God comes. Now, they may rattle you a little bit. But that's that's what I believe. That's what I see scripture say, right? 
Paul cried out. He asked God to take something. This is a thorn that he had. He asked for it three times to get taken away. We're talking about Paul. And it didn't. He said, my grace is sufficient. We love that verse. We love the my grace is sufficient verse, right? Except for when it comes down to, like, actually suffering. There's a sanctification process that happens through suffering. Amen? Again, there's more tension in that. There's more tension in that. Right? Because the idea of suffering... We share with him in life. We share with him in suffering. That's truth. That's truth. Now, I don't want you to hear me that I'm saying, ah, oh, so just, you know what, sometimes I'm just going to put, I'm going to pray for people, and that just goes in the sometimes category. Or that just goes in the eventual category. That just goes in the ultimate category. I think we need to expect a lot more. I think it should be normative for God's people to pray for each other for healing and expect God to heal. I'd love to have us pray way more often for healing and see some people get healed. They'll be like, well, God doesn't heal, so I'm just not going to do anything. Because we do that. I've said that. I've done that. But yet, I get so encouraged by more mature believers than me. I was at my house, and a friend stopped over, and just, you know, I kept coughing. He's like, brother, what's going on with you? Let me pray for you. And he prays for me. And I'm like, man, thank you. Thank you. I was at this conference last week in the middle of a whole bunch of business people, and there's this guy we're talking to. Turns out we find out this guy's a believer, and he's like, man, I got this thing in my chest, and I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, and I hear, I kind of get this, like, you could say it was God speaking to me. You could say, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because I was preaching this. I'm like, you got to pray for this guy for healing. I'm like, not here. Not with all these people watching. I'm just telling you what I'm thinking, right? And I'm like, and it just didn't go away. I'm like, man, you got to pray for this guy for healing. I'm like, oh, I just met this guy. And I think he kind of likes me. (laughs) Don't do that. So I'm like, hey, brother, can I pray for you? He's like, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be so good. Thank you. So I put my hand on this guy's chest around all these business people, you know, and I'm just like, man, I don't know. I honestly think part of the reason I had, like, the courage to do it is because I was standing, I'm studying this, and I'm personally challenged by it, you know? And I don't know what happened. I know that I prayed for him. I tried to operate in faithfulness, and I let that be. And you know what's so great about that? That's it. That's it. And so just prayed, I let it go. I didn't even ask him how he felt because I'm like, I don't want to know. I only had limited courage, you know, (laughs) I had limited courage, but here's the deal, like, he was blessed by that, and I was blessed by that to get out of my comfort zone and to step into, into, to have some faith and to have some courage, now, I don't understand if that category was in the eventual category, or if he just had heartburn from pizza or whatever, I don't know. I'm just being candid with you, right? Like, feel like this is where it comes down to it, man. If we can't talk about the tension here, we'll be more confused out there, right? And I feel like we could grow in this, church. I feel like we can grow in this. And so I want all of us to be challenged. I want all of us to be challenged. Those of us that believe that God can't heal, I want you to be challenged. He does and he will. He does and he will. Those of us that believe that God heals every single time and has to, I want you to be challenged because I don't see that. 
and I, I really try, I'm not going to try to like you over-emotionalize this when I say this next thing. Man, my mom died of cancer. She was a godly woman. Tons of people were praying for her. Tons of people were praying for her. And I checked myself. I talked to Kirsten. I'm like, I don't want my theology to be dictated by my experience. Anyone have that? You experience something, and you wrap that around your theology. I'm not, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I believe my, my mom is more than healed. Amen? She passed, she died, and she had a great life. She's more than healed. I would put her in the ultimate category. Right? I would put that in the ultimate category. And I, and I, and I, I take that with joy. I hesitate to say that I take comfort in that, because if I do, that's me just trying to massage the theology to fit my experience. Now, do I believe God could have healed my mom? A hundred percent. And I also a hundred percent believe that he did on his timeline. On his timeline. But we don't know his timeline. We don't know it. That's why we got to have the courage to step into it. Amen? That's why we got to have the courage to step into it. And we got to trust that God's good even when he doesn't operate on our timeline. Because he doesn't. He wouldn't be God if he did. And that's so good that he doesn't operate on our timeline. This is a verse. It's so good. Second, Second Peter 3, 8 through 9. Peter says this, and I love how he says this. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. He's not slow. He's on his own timeline. Praise God he's on his own timeline. One day is as a thousand years. We don't know. So we recognize his role and we recognize the role we play. We're called to be faithful, church. We're called to be faithful. And my prayer for us is that we would walk in faithfulness much more than we'd walk in excellence or perfection. There's a distinction there. I think we should pursue excellence in our walk with Christ. I think we should try to be above reproach. But I think we need to operate more in faithfulness, at least me lately, that's what I've been comforted by. Like, what, do I, what am I called to be faithful to? What am I called to be faithful to? Be faithful to what God has called you to. And I guarantee you there's way more challenge that we could take than if we just sat back and relegated God to a practical, logical God. And there's way more we could grow in faith. I have so much more to grow in faith, and this message challenged me. It challenged me. I have this quote by this, by this preacher, Pastor Sam Storms, I want to read to you, and i got to wrap up here soon. This Sam Storms says, Many in the church today will say that they believe that God still heals, but rarely, if ever, do they actually lay hands on the sick and pray with any degree of, of expectation that he will. One reason is that they often confuse praying expectantly with praying presumptuously. 
expectant prayer flows from the recognition that Jesus healed people because he loved them and felt compassion for them. So my challenge is let's not be presumptuous in what we want God to do, but there's tension there. But let's have a high expectation for what he's going to do, much higher than we likely have. Amen? Let's recognize that we have a long way to go. Honestly, in this country, faith is tough. Faith is tough. The idolatry and the, the, the comfort that we have in this country relegates us to not expect much of God, and that's a travesty. And so have we built the life for ourselves that doesn't require God's involvement? Have we built the life for ourselves that doesn't require God to operate in the supernatural? Have we? Oftentimes, yes, we have this built into the DNA of our identity as Americans. Let me say it. We can do it. We got it. Some of that has good outcomes. Right? We create things. We work hard. Right? Some of that has unintended, unintended negative consequences when it comes to our belief in Christ. We don't need them. He didn't have to act. I got this. Guess what? We don't. We don't. We're all in need of healing. We're all in need of healing. And my plea for me, for my family, good Lord, my kids, that we, and for our body, that we would see, let us expect more of him. Let us expect more of who he is and who he said he is and who he will be. Amen? And let's take some risks a little bit. Let's take some risks. You know, like, what's the, at the end of the day, if I pray, if, hey, man, can I pray for you? I've never asked, and I've never had anybody, one time, that was a weird deal, uh, <laughs> one time. That was a denominational deal. That's a whole other story. Hey, can I pray together? Well, we're not of the same denomination. All right, never mind, man, you're good. You know, sorry. Here's the deal. Most times when you ask people, even if people who don't claim to know Christ, if you can pray for them, they'll almost always say yes. In the same way, you took interest in someone, and you're modeling how Jesus acted because Jesus cared so much. He asked, Jesus always asked questions before he prayed for people. The blind man comes to Jesus and says, what would you, what do you need? Seems obvious. <laughs> but Jesus still asked. He still asked. Are we asking? Are we asking for him to show up? Or do we package him up, shove him in a drawer, and close the drawer? Lace up our boots and go get at it. That's a travesty. Our role is to pray, to expect much, to put God, our healer, in his proper place. And to be called daughter and to be called son and to know that the reason Jesus prayed for people was because he had compassion on them and he loved them more than they likely loved themselves. But he loved them 
Let's do that, church. Let me read one more verse for you, and then I gotta bounce. So this is what I like. So we look at the end of the book. We look in Revelation. We see Revelation 21, and we see this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, this is what we have to look forward to. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Amen? Or mourning, or crying, or pain. Amen? For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This is the God that we believe in. He's making all things new. So let's go with that, church. Let's cry out to him. Take some risks. Let your comfortable theology be challenged. Take some risks. Have faith. Be expectant. He's good. He's safe. He's safe. Some of us that need healing don't know what safety looks like because we've been burned. We've been hurt. We put ourselves out there and we get burned. He won't do that. He sees you and he knows you and he's good. So let's expect highly of our God who says, I am making all things new. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are making all things new. I pray, Lord, that we would expect more of you than we do right now. That we would trust you. That we would rest in our position in you. And that we would glorify your name because of who you are. I pray for our church that we would grow in faith. That we would grow in expectation of you. And that you will be glorified in our midst. And that you will be glorified in this city for your name's sake. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.